Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm well. (laughs) So (laughs) you tell me your dog's very sleepy and lethargic this morning. In a good way. So we... Went on a road trip. So uh-huh. she was with me 24 seven for yeah, like 11 that, days. That so. would suck. You're right. Yeah. So uh-huh. I haven't, today was the first day I left her at home. Uh-huh. Oh, come on. It's her dream come true is being with uh-huh. me without any breaks or any time apart. I mean, like that's her fantasy. Is that why she's lethargic? No, she's lethargic because she's not lethargic. She's resting because uh-huh. I gave her rescue remedy. Uh-huh. This sounds like a commercial. It does. Not. Rescue remedy. What's that? <laughs> No, she's up for dogs. She's a very anxious dog. Uh, and it has like all sorts of just, they're just like essential oils and flower essences and stuff. But okay. when she's not having an anxiety attack, she rests apparently, which is nice to see. So mm. it's a good, she's just laying on my bed, napping. That's it's like, it's like when I take Ativan is, is the sense I get. I don't know what that is. Okay. It sounds like a drug. <laughs> you drug addict. <laughs> it's a- it's essential oils. That's all. Oh, it is. okay. Well, can I? All, some? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was fun. Yep. Uh, let's talk about our guest, which has who has nothing to do with dogs. Okay. I'm going to introduce you to Michael Carpentier, who is the founder, I believe, of a really interesting company called Vesta Equity. And we're going to learn all about that on their website. The tagline is enabling property owners access to the value in their property without loans and property investors, the chance to build a portfolio of tokenized, fractionalized residential real estate. Michael, that sounds very complicated. Welcome to the show. So you can tell us all about that. Yeah, that that was a great introduction. Thank you very much. That is essentially what we're doing. We took a look at the real estate space from an equity perspective. And really fundamentally, when you think about it, that whole space hasn't changed in over 150 years. If I'm a homeowner and I need to access my equity for whatever reasons I have, I have to go back to a bank, go back into debt or sell the asset, which is always an option. But we felt that whole paradigm about going back to the bank and going back into debt wasn't necessarily a great idea. Then you got a pool of investors on the other end of the spectrum that are anxious to get into a solid asset like this. It's stable. It grows year over year. In some markets, it's phenomenal growth. And I think we'll continue to have phenomenal growth despite the bit of a sort of like blip we're having right now. And it enables those investors uh, through the platform we've built to invest in that asset. So they partake in the future appreciation of that home. And meanwhile, the homeowner doesn't have to go back into debt and uh, can benefit from the equity they've either accrued or benefited from the actual appreciation of the asset over that period of time. Walk us through an example. An example would be, let's take age in place, which is a demographic that we think is, is significantly important. About $4 trillion in, in assets in the marketplace that have no debt on them, uh, owned by people 55 plus, which is a demographic that are nearing retirement or, or approaching retirement or want to retire early. Their access or their ability to access their equities becomes increasingly limited as they get older and older. They can take the reverse mortgage route, which in my opinion is a, a dirty route. It's not equitable for homeowners. It's very unfair. What they could do is then take this platform and say, hey, I've got a home that's worth half a million dollars. I want to access $50,000 this year, 100000 the year after, 25 the year after. So it's based on their terms, what their needs are. They would come onto the platform. They go through a typical KYC AML process as part of our regulatory compliance. 
They would then book an inspection. We do title search. We make sure the title's clean. They would then have the inspector come to their home. And we also encourage them to use a photographer to take photographs of the asset. Then they go through the verification process. The home's vetted. Uh, we establish a, a price. The homeowner agrees to that price in terms of value. Uh, the asset is then tokenized and then placed on the marketplace. So if it's a half million dollar home and they decide that they want to place just $50,000 that year, they want to do something with that 50000 they end up just selling off that 50000 in that period of time. Similarly, investors are, are onboarded through a similar process. They, they have to be going through KYC AML. If they're American investors at this point in time, they have to be accredited investors because we do this under a Reg D filing. They go through the process. They access the marketplace once they're on board. They can scroll through all these properties. We have significant details on the properties from the inspection report to the PPM to everything you need to be able to make a decision to invest in that asset. And then they either take the offer as is um, from what the homeowners invested. We also have a deal flow where they can counter counter offer back and forth and then establish a price that they're all comfortable with. More often than not, um, they'll just accept the offer that's on market. If not, there's that ability to negotiate back and forth. And at any point in time, the homeowner can say yes or no to it. So it really is a fair, transparent marketplace where both parties are dealing with the same source of information to establish equitable deal structures for both parties. All right. Well, let's, I appreciate that explanation. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So yeah, we need to chunk it down. Well, it, it, okay. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I own a home. It's worth half a million dollars. Yeah. I want to get the 50K out. Uh, I go through the process. I, I list it on the marketplace. I'm essentially selling off 10% of my equity. Am I not? Yeah. If, if the house is worth 500 and yeah. I'm selling off 50,000, Sarah is interested in being an investor. She has 50,000 to invest or some yeah. amount of, of that 50,000. She's going to go on the platform and she's going to buy uh, a portion of the equity in my home because you've done the due diligence and yeah. she knows that it's clean title and it's a nice house exactly. so on and so forth. So now what is... I gave up something. She gained something. What, what, what's the contract? Is it really just a blockchain agreement that, yeah, it, well, we, that what, yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's, it's, it's all based on blockchain, but the agreement is actually okay. an equity sharing agreement. So that's the financial instrument we use. And that's technically what's, what's actually tokenized technically. Okay. And then the LLC, it's part of an LLC structure that we create. So what's on title is the LLC of which the homeowner and any mm. potential investors are part of. So the title is extremely clear. Ah. There's nothing else on title. And the reason we do that is we want it to keep it simple. Investors don't want complicated title. Our partners like First American don't want complicated titles. They provide title insurance and titling services. They want it clean. And to be honest, if you homeowners want that clean too, we've actually worked with some homeowners and cleaned their titles up because they had stuff on it they didn't even know was there, liens and stuff like that. They were like, what's that there? Which can happen to people from time to time. But we clean all that up and that's how it's structured. So Sarah ends up owning a percentage of your home and participates in the future appreciation of the asset. Plus any additional yield a homeowner may have or may have not decided to provide. So we also have functions like an equity premium or an equity dividend well, the homeowner can sweeten the deal in terms of investment in the asset by providing some additional equity upfront or some additional equity parsed out over a period of time. And that provides the investor additional yield. And what we're trying to do is target appreciation and yield somewhere in that 7 to 10% for the investor. So it's above money market. And people who typically put their money in money markets would see this as an alternative. It's also an alternative to mortgage-backed securities or investing in that, which are riskier. And, and we all know what can happen with those. So we're putting ourselves in that position where we've got an incredible amount of transparency in terms of the investment 
and a very equitable deal structure for homeowners. And we're, we're essentially eliminating the middlemen, the, all the financial institutions that exist in this space. Let's get rid of them. What are they needed for, right? If we can put people in touch in a secure blockchain environment where every transaction is immutable and the security is significant and the terms and, and, and covenants of the arrangements are all there in the public domain for everyone to see, it's a far fairer, more equitable approach to accessing equity in your home and a great investment for investors. So as the homeowner, your home would be put into an LLC yeah. and then that person would be added to the LLC as a fractional yes. equity yes. share. Yeah, They would actually be okay. listed in ESA as the homeowner with rights and also obligations, right? So as the homeowner, you still need to pay your taxes on the property. You still need to pay your, your insurance. The home has to be insured. And those are not things that are different than what you have to do with a mortgage. So we kept that in place. There's also special covenants. If they decide, hey, I'm going to add an extra bedroom to my house and I'm going to invest my own money in that, we have means to provide them credits. So they benefit financially from that reinvestment of their own money back into the property. There are also issues and, and, and arrangements where if they decide, hey, I'm going to buy this property and then just abuse it, <laughs> there's covenants in there where they can't do that. And if they do do that, there are penalties and they will have to make good. So if the property ends up depreciating as a result versus the established evaluation at the time and into the future, they have to make up the difference, which is why we don't allow people to tokenize the entire asset. They have to right. maintain a 20% interest in the asset to be able to make that up if that's the case. And, and what we're doing is we're protecting the investor's rights in that regard. We're not saying the investor, this is guarantee that you're going to get that market value. If the market has dropped, that's the risk you take as an investor. Although year over year, uh, real estate tends to appreciate year over year consistently. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. It's not like, you know, it's not like a cryptocurrency, which technically this industry is part of blockchain, where you can have a, an outstanding value one year and it can be down to zero the next. And it's not like stocks. It's not as volatile, but there's, you know, risk benefit to investing in stocks and there's a risk benefit to investing in us. Slower growth, but more likely growth. So the homeowner has to maintain at least 20% yes. of this property. Yeah. Is that, yeah. okay. that that's... And then the equity investors who are owning like tokens of this property, they are just along for the ride, essentially. Yeah. They don't get to make any decisions about no. the home or anything like no. that. Okay. No. no, as much <laughs> as they know is they can see it on a Google map, but they're not, <laughs> they're not involved in it. They can't call up the homeowner and say, hey, I'd like to spend a weekend at your house. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Right. They're, they're not, they're not activist investors, I guess. No. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, so let's say, you know, the person, the homeowner who has fractions sold, yeah. let's say they want to sell their house. They decide they just want to sell their yep. house. What does that look like? That's what we call an off-chain sale. And um, they go ahead, they contact a real estate agent and uh, they inform us as part of the agreement. They inform us that they're doing an off-chain sale and the house is sold and funds are distributed back through us. And, you know, separated to them, what their portion ends up being theirs and the investor portion ends up over in the investor side. Very simple transaction, very clean and very easy to execute and they can do it whenever they want. And what if the homeowner wants to refinance? Then that's different. So what we've tried to do is create clean title, no other debt on the asset. If they decide, hey, I want to go out and refinance, they would probably at that point in time would have to buy out the investors and then go to the bank and, and refinance in that case, which again... They certainly can do. We are looking down the road as part of our roadmap how we could work with lending institutions so that homeowners could partly have 
part mortgage, part investors, et cetera. It's just, it's a little more complicated and we didn't want to go to market with a solution like that. But at this point in time, if you want to refinance or go back into debt, you'd have to actually clean up uh, the investors and buy them out. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, I've heard of other investor type companies try to take on this space, as as you're probably familiar with, right? The idea that there's equity sharing in the single family space. It gets messy with with loans. So I, I think you've primarily taken on homes that are um are debt free. But for the type of for the type of owner that is debt free, this is a really interesting option because there's really only one option, get a loan and then pay your mortgage. This is risk sharing. So you're going to get some of your capital back that that's invested in the home. Probably your home is worth well more than what you paid for it, right? Especially if you're a retiree. And then those partners get to share in the upside. But, you know, at least in some cases, to your point, I know you structure it differently. There's no mortgage payment. Unlike a loan or a HELOC or whatever it is, there is no mortgage payment. They're along for the ride with you and they get to share in the upside. But, you know, as a retiree, you don't want to increase your your monthly spend. You're on a fixed income potentially. So I think because of all these various factors, there's definitely a market where this makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to probably preaching to the choir, but does that sound right? No, it's absolutely right. And there's another aspect too, that, that you're, you know, if you've got a significant amount of realtors as your audience, they're going to like this idea because we can also address affordability. So we can work with new home builders to make the product more affordable where the home builder would actually retain a percentage of equity, thereby lowering the price of the asset for the homeowner. The homeowner purchases you know, 25% of it or 30% of it. And then there's investors, but the realtor has sold the asset. So this is where we could work with realtors to sell these assets as part of the sort of partnership that we would love to see with realtors sometime down the road, where we could address affordability, which we all know is a massive issue right now. I right. don't see salaries keeping pace with the asset value increase. And there's lots of reasons for that. Supply still is not there. I don't think supply is going to catch up for a significant period of time. Trades aren't there to build these assets, these homes. So there are endemic problems that have persisted for a long time that are going to continue to persist. And people want to own their home. And I completely understand that. And this is a way for people to own their homes at a reduced cost without the burden of mortgage. And imagine the impact that has on your cash flow. It's massive. Yeah. And let's jump into the liquidity of this thing, because if you have to wait 30 years or 50 years for someone to sell a home, that's one thing. That that's a very illiquid investment. But but I believe you have a marketplace wherein, okay, I bought it, you know, Sarah bought an interest in a token interest in my house and she wants to move on with her life and sell that. There's a market for it, right? Yeah. As an investor, she can post those tokens on the marketplace and have other investors buy those tokens. So that marketplace yeah. exists. Down the road, ideally, the whole, I'm sure you guys have heard the whole DeFi centralized, de- decentralized financial infrastructure, where eventually we'll be able to list those, those tokens on other exchanges. And that's the future that we are all hoping will come. But in the meantime, yeah, in the meantime, right now, an investor can, can list those tokens on our marketplace and sell them to other investors. That's, that's, that liquidity is very important. I mean, we're in the sharing economy, right? That's what everybody says. And I wonder if part of your roadmap is like, you know, sort of, I might go out and buy a house, you know, put my 20% in, but want to share the rest of that investment with friends I know or people that I don't know. And so that ends up on your platform and 
And it works that yeah. way, kind of a sharing investment. Or what we're seeing too is parents um, lending the money or giving the money. You know, if they're lending the money, they're they're taking the risk that if something does happen to the kids and they can't make their mortgage payments, that asset could be foreclosed and the parents could lose their money. In this way, the parents are co-investing along with their kids. They're still lending them the money, but they're going in as a co-investor. It's far more secure for them as a, a way of providing help to their kids than just giving them the money and hoping <laughs> everything works out. So yeah, from a generational perspective, it's a great way to provide your kids access to, to, to buying a home. This feels like it's part of the world of the crowdfunding yeah. kind of platforms that we're seeing a lot of. But I would love for you to tell us, this has been tried before, maybe not so much on it with, a, with a crowd perspective, but more with investment funds trying to get access. You know, we'll give you a piece of your equity for a share and we're going to share in the upside. Uh, clearly, you think this concept is better. I know not all of those have worked in the past. That's been tried several times. Can you comment on that? Well, I think the difference between what we're what they're doing and what we're doing is we've built a marketplace, right? So if your fund, like take take, you know, I don't want to come here and badmouth other other shared equity type arrangements, but like you take a home tap, for example, mm-hmm. their start off point is to devalue. They get a valuation of the property, they devalue it, and then at the end of the term, whatever the value is, they get that amount. So they're making a significant chunk of potential profit on it. They're still centralizing everything though. They're going out to do this. They're going out and raising a ton of money. Um, They go to REITs, they go to financial institutions, they raise a ton of money, they pull that money together, and then they parse it out. We're not doing that. We're removing that inefficiency of having to go out on a regular basis to the marketplace and saying, the marketplace is there. All the investors are there. Why wouldn't an investor give the money to HomeTap? So HomeTap can turn it around, make a massive margin on something, lend it back out, technically the lending, because it's a term loan, to a homeowner, taking advantage of the homeowner and creating this really convoluted process when we can take that investor and that homeowner and put them together in, in one place. And the investors can be family offices, they could be pension funds, they could be individual investors, but we're putting them in direct contact with each other. We're removing all that layer. We're taking all the friction away. Um, so that, that's a fundamental difference between what we're doing and, and what others are doing. There are plenty of companies getting involved in sort of what we call the multifamily income properties, the residential, that they're taking a similar approach. They're buying a building tokenizing the asset and creating revenue streams off that in, in terms of uh, providing like a dividend, a security or token if they're tokenizing it. Certainly that is a viable business model. The way we would approach that from an income property perspective, we'd probably from our perspective, focus more on vacation rentals, focus on small developments and the property owner would still remain the property manager. We don't want to get involved in property management, and that's still a big operational risk. A lot of these other companies are getting involved in. There's that property management issue. We don't want to get involved in that. Um, that's not part of our our business model. We want to simply facilitate access to equity and investment, and that's as far as we go. Now, do you have an idea of what percentage of homes in general have no debt on Title? Well, I gave it's thirty. It's thirty-three percent is the estimate of homes in the United States wow. with no wow. debt. Yeah, it's high. I've heard wow. it's high as thirty-seven percent. Yeah, but when you think about it, there's a large chunk of the population, fifty-five plus year olds and and more, and that's you know you're encompassing part of Gen X and and um, baby boomers in that. It makes sense that a good chunk of their homes are paid off and they don't have debt on them anymore. I think the last thing you want to do is go back into debt, and you know it's. 
not fair that people should have to go back into debt at that point in their lives. They should be able to access their hard-earned equity. It's their money. It's not the bank's money. And I, I always joke with people that the biggest buildings in every city you go into are the banks. Well, there's a reason because they're making money hand over fist on, on deal structures that are favorable to right. them, but not favorable necessarily to investors or homeowners. And I'm sure the turnover in like a big city like Los Angeles is more than like, you know, definitely the Midwest or like, you know, these tiny little towns where like generationally like a house is passed down. Right. So in my mind, I'm like, do I know anyone who doesn't have a mortgage? But like, I'm probably in a very specific bubble. Right. So yeah, the larger CMAs are definitely the more robust marketplaces. I mean, you do get hot, throffy markets like Boise, Idaho, believe it or not, it's been a throffy Mm -hmm. hot market. Um, until it, the pandemic really until it uh, (laughs) invigorated that town. But now it's nosediving, so it's yeah. Well, it was was way overvalued, right? It just simply was. It's one of those markets, for example, that had a throffy period and now is going back down to what should be realistically the values, and then it's going to continue to rise again. But it's because of the mass exodus from California and neighboring states and Boise, Idaho. And that's beautiful city. I love Boise. It is, but uh, yeah. How do you see um, for now and into the future where agents fit into all this, if, if, if at all? Well, I think agents, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I do believe because we're changing the paradigm of home ownership, that it actually could create more demand for, for homes because we're dispersing ownership and someone technically could be the owner of a home, own 30%, and then want to say, hey, I want to buy another home and own only 30%. Suddenly someone's owning two homes. So there's that. There's the whole affordability issue. In our opinion, real estate agents play a key role in that because they're bringing all the parties potentially together. So we could have real estate agents that are selling the asset, but are also helping us sell those tokens. Changes a bit of their business model, but I definitely see them being integral in in what we're doing. The same way they may refer someone to a, uh, a mortgage broker or a particular bank, they would refer them to us instead. So there's definitely a partnership. I always feel boots on the ground, like as much as people say, oh, everything's going to be automated and no one's going to, hey, you still have to have people do stuff. Even with yeah. AI, you're still going to need people to do stuff. AI plays a role. It'll make the real estate agent better at their job, more efficient. But I don't think technology is going to radically replace everyone. Uh, boots on the ground are critically important, especially when you're making a big investment. You want to talk to people. And that's why if you look at the financial advisory end of the spectrum, Financial advisors still control on an annual basis like $7 trillion in assets because they're advising their clients. Their clients want to talk to a human being. That, that human being may go get some advice from AI or you know, use AI in some way in his job function, but they still <laughs> want to speak to a human being. And I think we're still decades right. away, many, many decades away from, from you know, um, seeing radical changes in, in any yeah. respect in that regard. Well, I see... I see agents using you as a resource. So I can imagine an agent that has an investor client that tells them about you guys, they get excited and they say, well, great, let's go buy more homes yeah. and quote unquote, I'll use the word syndicate them, but yeah. go to your platform. So, so that's right. I think yeah. that you're one tool in their toolbox, just like they have a mortgage lender in their toolbox. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And is this global? Is this multinational? What is the reach of yeah, where you can do it? Good question. Right now, the assets, the homes are focused in the U.S. Investors can come from anywhere. We're agnostic, except when they're from the U.S., they have to be accredited because we're regulatory compliant. We do eventually want to be able to move outside the U.S. in terms of properties. It, to us, our goal is to have someone in Australia be able to put their home on the platform, take some of those proceeds and buy some assets or some tokens and homes in Florida, California, South America, and Europe. 
creating a really dynamic opportunity for sort of a globalization of these real estate assets through tokenization. Question for you. So if, can somebody own 80%? Can they buy 80% of a property in If they want to. I mean, if they want to, it's open. So they'd have to move pretty quickly. But yeah, you could buy. If 80% of the tokens are available, you could buy 80% of the tokens. There's, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Masterworks, but they do this with high-end art. Mm Art, yeah, which, yeah. which oh, I love. I think it's a great idea too. It's a real asset. And if you wanted to, I think they've got a $36 million piece up right now. And I think 80% of it's Let's left. Let's do it. You, if you want to, you <laughs> can go buy the full 80%. It better be yeah. a Picasso. Yeah, or... it is. So... Some, some <laughs> in my opinion, I think your diversification is key and you're better off yeah. buying right. parts of homes and diversify your portfolio rather than yeah, all in on point. one property. But that's, that's again, up to the investor. You know, if, if they feel that market is really solid in that particular asset, because it's, it's really geographical, you know exactly where right, it is. Right, right. And you feel it's good, then that's totally up to you. So if you own a portion of a property and the homeowner wants to sell it, is it possible to try to buy the original homeowner out? Are you allowed to put an offer for that, basically, or is that not? Well, I've actually uh, never thought about that. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you need a job, Sarah? It technically, it like... would be possible. There's nothing in the platform or inherently built out that would stop them from doing that. Certainly, is possible because they could they could reach out as an investor saying, "I want to buy the other twenty percent from you." Right. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no reason why that couldn't happen. What are the minimums on the platform? I know it's accredited investor. Is there a You could buy a token minimum? if you want to, as little as $30. So what we do is you take the value oh, wow. of the home, break it down into 10,000 basis points. And uh, oh, wow. so if it's a $300,000 home, it'd be $30 token, roughly. Wow. Yeah. We, we, what do you we think? Should we split make, a token? Yeah, we did that to, to make it easy. <laughs> you got 15 yeah, bucks? Yeah, we did it to make it easy. And, you know, if people want to uh-huh. buy $30 here, $20 there, $40 there, it's again up to them. They're buying the minimum. But um, we wanted to make it easy. And you can even use your credit card to buy these assets. So it's a simple, wow. simple way to do it. And we're constantly simplifying the back end of this to make it as easy as possible. And using credit card is easy for people because they're familiar with it. How long has, have you guys been doing this? We officially launched the platform in March, 2022. So it's been relatively new and um, we're, we're getting through into that sort of, we've built out the supply. Now we're getting into demand side, building that out and uh, important phase for us as as a business. And, you know, we are innovating and, you know, you do get skepticism. You do get people scratching their heads. How does this work? And we're really in that phase now where we talk to homeowners. I get on the phone with a lot of the homeowners. I get on the phone with potential investors and talk to them about how the product works. And I want them to do their homework. Do your homework, call. And my investors and us have also said they'll get on the phone with people and talk to people if they have to. And we have some very credible investors in our business that have invested in, in, in alongside us. Like Algorand's an investor, which is the L1 blockchain solution. We've got Redwood Trust as an investor, which is a large REIT in the United States. We've got uh, top W3 Web3 firms invested in us and a real great group of, of angel investors that are in blockchain, that are in real estate development. So they understand the space we're in and uh, all contributing to help us grow this business. So obviously it's, it's an, too new to probably have a ton of data on this, but what are your projections as far as somebody getting a rate of return? Like buying a token and then that property selling and getting everything. I think we can comfortably say seven to 10% based on historical data. That's what I think we'll, they'll get based also on, on some additional yield being offered. Um, and that's really what we're targeting, working towards. 
One of the things we're doing, and not to jump on the whole AI bandwagon, but we are deploying generative AI to make better forecasting tools because mm -hmm. the real estate industry tends to be a little backward looking, which is important. You got to know what the history is, but there are other elements that go into markets. Like what's the job market like? What's the supply of homes in that market? What's the rental market like? All those other factors need to be to be considered in potential future values of those particular marketplaces. And right now, people don't use that effectively. I mean, we've got a great supplier for right. current market data, but it's still it's still very much based on backward and current recent sales, as opposed to what might happen. And what ends up happening is you miss dips, which could be buying opportunities, and you miss throffy markets. And a great example is the city I was I, I used to live in is Toronto. Toronto went through this explosive throffy market. Um, it's sort of tapering off now, but went through this explosive throffy market. Everyone's caught off guard. Well, what do you expect? We're bringing in tons of immigrants into the city to live there from abroad. You know, they're coming in on their H1R or version of H1B uh, visas, and they're participating in the economy. They're buying houses. Plus, Toronto's a major city. Other Canadians are moving into the city. The supply's not keeping up. Well, you're going to have a throffy market. And yeah. Everyone goes, oh my God, I can't believe Toronto's so throffy. Well, if you looked at the data and done some analysis, you would have seen that it was getting <laughs> throffy. So. You know, I don't know if I've ever heard that word in my life and I kind of love it. Ro throffy? <laughs> Am I saying it right? I, I like... I, say, I, someone say it. I like latte, so maybe that's where I got it from. <laughs> frothy? Oh, we're going frothy. Yeah. Going frothy. frothy. <laughs> I was hearing throffy. Um, a little like Boise. Yeah. yeah. Like Boise. <laughs> yes. Exactly. No, I, I, I love the concept. You thought of your question. I remember my okay. question. Yeah, you were Go just going to fill air. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, let's God, just you listen to you breathe. You know my fillers too well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So if you buy a token and then, you know, you hold on to it for two or three years and the homeowner doesn't sell it, but you want to sell your piece. Marketplace. Are you, but so you're, you're making money on, is there like a, how do they find out the new valuation? Oh, the the data is updated on a monthly basis, so it's as real oh, time okay. as you can get. So the the valuation of the property will be it's successful, like one hundred percent transparent from that perspective. The valuation of the property will actually be listed for the investor to see and see that the value of property has increased by this much over that period of time. Yeah. And then they would list it at that. They can also list it for a little more, right? There's nothing saying to stick right. to that. They could list it for a little more. It doesn't mean they'll get offers. And if they really need to sell it, they may sell it for a little less. It's, it's really up to them. Interesting. Um, but, okay. but you have the automatic valuation, like yeah. House Canary or something yeah. I see on your website. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. They'll get to see the value. And that's, those are the tools we also want to improve, right? So right now yeah. they're very, very, very good, but we want to make them even better. Michael's trying to take a, I'm sorry to put words in your mouth, trying to take a very illiquid market that's hard to value at any one time and turn it into like the stock market, which you can literally the valuations happen <laughs> on a second by second basis. And that's always been hard in real estate. And you guys are just one step closer to being there. Yeah. What if there's been a bunch of work done to the home and the value is even more? Yep. So the can whole, you request yeah. an appraisal? Yeah, The homeowner at any point in time can request an appraisal. And we certainly expect them to do that. We'll know if they did work on the property. They're supposed to, as part of their agreement, let us know that work's been done on the property. Got and it. it would be... To, so that's yeah, included yeah, in the valuation. Because they, would, they would be getting credits, right, towards that. Inherent in that is any benefit to the investor. The fact that the property looks nicer is better property. It's only going to increase the curb, curb yeah. appeal when they do sell. So yeah, we would know okay. about that. And uh, they would get their credits for it. And uh, they can ask at any point in time for a new appraisal. We send the, the evaluation in, they get reevaluated and boom, 
the price is updated. And they can dispute the price at any point in time too. They just don't have to accept the price. They can say, oh, I don't believe this. And then if we have to, we go third party outside our, our current vendor and we'll get right. someone else to go in and evaluate it and um, ensure that the homeowner's happy with the valuation. Very I'm nice. impressed with what you're doing, Michael. You. As I don't have to tell you, there's a lot of moving parts in what you're yep. doing, right? We talked about valuations and owners and investors and title and improvements, and it goes on and on. And you've clearly thought through all of these yeah. <laughs> and found a way to hone them all down to their essence yeah. and, and, and figure out a way to, to deal with it. So congrats on you. your success so far. We hope you guys continue to grow and kill it. And um and, and make a new marketplace. Well, for thank us. you for having me on board. I really appreciate talking about it. And you guys have got a great podcast. Thank Thanks you. So much, and our Michael. pleasure to have you. We're going to include Michael's information as well as Vesta Equities links in the show notes. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.